Hold up. Hello and welcome to this edition of Outside the Box Score. I am your host, Jonathan Michael. And as always, I will be joined by my co-host, the marvelous Joey Thompson, in just a few minutes. But before we get started, I want to mention to you that this podcast is brought to you by Rakuten. Rakuten is as easy as one, two, three. You start by going to Rakuten's website and find your store. These are the stores that you normally shop at. Macy's, eBay, Kohl's, Old Navy, Lululemon, Nike, Gap, Adidas, Levi's, Crocs. There's too many to mention, folks, but you go through Rakuten, you shop on their websites as usual. That's step number two. And number three is you get paid because you're earning cash back. You get paid via PayPal or check. Simple as doing the shopping that you already do at the places you already do it for the prices that you already pay and you get paid to do it. How simple is that? Up to 15% cash back. And when you sign up through our special link in the podcast description, you'll get rewarded. Get $10, folks, just for signing up. So why not give it a try? Also, want to mention to follow along with us on Twitter. You can find us at J-M-O-T-B pod at M-T-O-T-B pod. We'd love to interact with you there. Also find me writing in various places on the internet, sharing blogs, sharing other thoughts on the issues that will all be shared via Twitter. We only do this once a week, but there is more content that we're putting out and you can find it there. Without any further ado, let's get into the episode. Let's get into our first quarter and talk about the story of the 2020 NBA MVP. One of the reasons people love sports is the story. Sure, we love competition, but I don't know too many people who go to a random high school and just watch football. I'm told football is the most popular sport in the world constantly and that people will watch football no matter what but the XFL pops up and there's no story we don't know any of the players and the league just goes ahead and folds sports really is entertainment it's not unlike the rest of the entertainment industry television the movies the players are the characters that keep us interested they have families they have emotions There's a backdrop to everything that they do, where they're from, who they are. And much like when we're watching a movie, we connect to their emotions of the main character, the emotions of the supporting actors and actresses. The NBA MVP, every single year, it's called most valuable player, but NBA writers vote for it as the best story. Looking back to Russell Westbrook with the triple-double after Kevin Durant left. They didn't win a title. He wasn't the most valuable player to his team that year, but he was the best story. Heartbreak for the small town. Russell Westbrook rises to the occasion. Balls out of his mind. And he's the MVP. James Harden doesn't play any defense. 
but he wins it the next season because he's the most compelling watch on TV with the unstoppable step back, volume scorer. He bursts onto the scene. MVP. Now, I'm not here to dispute Giannis as the best player in the NBA as he sits as the favorite for the NBA MVP. But LeBron's story is greater than Giannis's story this season. Giannis is exactly what we'd expect. He was MVP. He improved. He's great. It's kind of like going to the theaters to see a sequel. It's good sometimes. Not as good as the original. It's not as compelling. It's not as interesting. We already saw it. LeBron James, on the other hand, is in his 17th season, coming off a debilitating injury that caused him to miss 50 games. He plays mostly with a ragtag bunch of veterans. Jean Rondo, Avery Bradley, Danny Green. It's not a shot at them. All good players, but they're old. And they've never been great. Third best scoring option on the team, Kyle Kuzma. Maybe shows up half the time. Doesn't really play any defense. But that's the third option. If you told me this team was competing for the playoffs, fourth, fifth seed, Six seed. I'd be impressed. It's what we all expected. But it's the unexpected. The twist at the end of the show. At the end of the movie. That draws us in. That makes it interesting. That makes it great. And LeBron's having a great season. He has these Lakers. Team we expected to be. A little bit above average. Poised to be the number one seed in the bubble. And if that isn't the most remarkable story of the NBA this season, then I'm not quite sure what is. It is now the best time of the show to bring in the marvelous Joey Thompson. How you doing today, Marv? Hey, Jonathan. I'm doing great, man. Over here dealing with the, the thunderstorms and, and the rain. But, you know, it is middle of the summer. But, hey, sports is back. Can't, can't complain about that. How about you? How you doing? Oh, I am in the best mood possible. As you mentioned, uh, we're doing the show first and foremost. Love that. Favorite part of the week. And we are one week away from the NBA. That's right, folks. One week. The wait is almost over. So it's only appropriate that we started with an NBA topic. Marv, we have to remember this bubble, these playoffs, they don't count towards the MVP. So we have to go back almost three months and realize it's a regular season award. So let's take a trip down memory lane and look at it. Who do you think is the NBA MVP? I was thinking about this going back and forth. LeBron, Giannis. LeBron, Giannis. LeBron, Giannis. And at the end of the day, what LeBron accomplished this season has outweighed what Giannis has done this season. And I'm not talking about like comparing them numbers to numbers because they're pretty similar if you look at it. But what LeBron is doing at 35 years old is astonishing. And I'm, I'm, I'm one of those people that always criticized LeBron throughout his career. And you know this. And a lot of people that personally know me know this. And for me to say that LeBron has earned the MVP title this year, 
over Giannis or anybody else in the NBA takes a lot for me to be very impressed by what he's done. I mean, think about it. What other 35-year-old NBA player has gone out and had the type of season LeBron James has had? I'll let you think about it. The only person that comes to mind is possibly Michael Jordan. And even then, there's nobody else on that list. So what he's doing is LeBron is setting himself in a different stratosphere right now, what he's doing, uh, what he did this season, and what he accomplished with the Lakers and finishing as the number one top seed in the West. Now, not taking away anything with what Giannis has accomplished this year. He was averaging like 29 points per game, like 16 rebounds. Like he's possibly going to win defensive player of the year as well. So he's, he's some tough competition for LeBron, but LeBron had such a big turnaround from what he did last season with the Lakers where they missed the playoffs. And then this season where they just completely did a complete 180 and now they're the best team in the West. That's very impressive considering they got a new head coach, a bunch of new players, but the same constant as LeBron and LeBron elevated everyone's play this year and has made them the best team in the West and possibly best team in the NBA. And they're on the verge of possibly winning the championship this year. If everything goes their way, just can't get away from the Michael Jordan, LeBron James comparisons. Can we, that's a true fact though. Nobody at this age has played at this level. And I'd add to that LeBron has been playing in the NBA since he was 18. Michael Jordan played three years in college LeBron has three more NBA years on his body. We're talking double the games of the college season, higher competition, and he's playing at peak level, arguably better than any season that he's ever played before. To your point on Giannis, I'm in full agreement with you. If I had to take the best players and start a team, disregarding age, I would take Giannis, Kawhi, LeBron. And it's really close between the three. You're really splitting hairs. But this is never an award for truly who is the most valuable. As I said, it's the best story. Now, people listening might be thinking, oh, they added Anthony Davis. Sure, they did. But as you mentioned, new coach, first year playing with Anthony Davis. I don't care if they're the two most talented people in the world. It takes cohesion and to learn each other's games. And LeBron has been an expert at that. And he's playing with a bunch of average B at best players. And they're not just competing to be in the playoffs. He's eight seed, six seed, fifth seed, fourth seed, like we were talking about at the beginning of the year. We're talking number one seed ahead of the Clippers. Now that's impressive because the Clippers over there are stacked. They may be the one seed. They probably will be the Lakers. But do you have them making the NBA Finals and winning it? If I had to bet some money on this, I would bet money on LeBron James winning the NBA championship this year. I'm going to go with the my money would be on the Clippers. If anyone can pull it off, it would be LeBron James as this kind of underdog. He did it against Golden State, which was incredible. 73-9 and nine team goes down at the hands of LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers. But with all the uncertainty, people could get COVID. This or that could happen. The guys haven't been playing in three months. People could get injured. The Lakers are older. 
Clippers could lose Paul George for a series and be fine. The Clippers could lose Lou Williams and be fine. They're just so stacked. It's going to be difficult. But I look forward to seeing what happens. Let's get into quarter number two and talk about the big effect that Patrick Mahomes' contract has already had on the Chiefs' culture. We talked last week about Patrick Mahomes securing the future while taking a team-friendly deal even if it was $500 million. Well, there was a report this week that following signing that deal, he texted his buddy and star defensive tackle, Chris Jones, I left money on the table so you can come back. Chris Jones followed suit, signed his four years, $85 million deal. He didn't set any records. He wasn't the highest paid at his position like most players desire to be that's the trend in the media the agents the players let's grab everything that we can while we can it doesn't even take being on the field for Patrick Mahomes to be a leader he set a tone he set a culture sharing the wealth knowing when enough is enough it's not all about me it's about we what good is money If you don't have friends to share it with, if you don't have good teammates, if you work for a terrible company and you lose all the time and your job is stressful and everybody's unhappy, what's the point? Studies have shown over and over again the correlation between money and happiness creates an inverted U-shape on a graph. Imagine in your head right now drawing an upside-down U. At first, as your money goes up, on the left side of the U, you get happier and happier. And it moves to the right, and you even off, and there's no more returns. It's called diminishing returns of wealth. And then your happiness, as you get richer and richer, starts to fall. You get more and more problems. Rich people have all sorts of problems. They're just good at hiding it. How do you raise your kids? How do you teach them the value of money and work ethic when they have everything? Now, I'm all for making money, being in a capitalist society. I love that. But there comes a time when enough is enough. In the NFL, the more money you make, the more problems you have with the rest of your roster. Right now, with every player wanting to be the highest paid at their position, when their contract is up, that just isn't the move anymore. It isn't working out well. Mahomes set a new standard for the Chiefs and perhaps the NFL. Take a deal that's good for you. Make it long-term. Make it so that you get paid. Mahomes chose to get paid big time but he also left money on the table for his brothers to create a culture, a community, inclusive to his teammates, mindful wherever you go. Chase success, chase passion, surround yourself with great people like Patrick Mahomes did, leaving money for Chris Jones. 
Don't worry about getting every single dollar that you can because the money will certainly follow you if you have those things. Now, Marv, Mahomes left money on the table and it seems to have really set a tone in KC, created a culture. He signed for less than he maybe could have. Chris Jones signed for less than he maybe could have. And this could go on and on with the Chiefs. That leads me to my question, is this Chiefs team the next dynasty in the NFL? I don't think so. And this is me not, I'm not being a biased Denver Broncos fan, but I'm looking at it this way. I'm I'm comparing them to prior dynasties in the past and what they have done to create the dynasties they were. And I look at, for example, the... New England Patriots, what they did with Tom Brady. Tom Brady constantly throughout those six Super Bowl wins, constantly took pay cuts, constantly signed team-friendly contracts so his team was able to continue to add pieces to the puzzle every year because the Patriots were like a revolving door. Every year Tom Brady had new receivers. Every year Tom Brady had a new offensive linemen, new defensive players. But the same constant was always Tom Brady being there because he was taking team-friendly deals for the Patriots to go out and sign these elite-tier players to come in on one-year deals, two-year deals, come in and help the Patriots win Super Bowls. Then you got the Broncos, when they signed Peyton Manning, he also took pay cuts the years that the Broncos went to the two Super Bowls. Unfortunately, they lost one in 2014, but they went ahead and won in 2016. That would have never been possible if Peyton Manning didn't take a pay cut. Because the year before, Peyton Manning took a pay cut. The Broncos splurged and went and signed T.J. Ward, Akeem Tlaib, DeMarcus Ware, and they even gave Von Miller a big contract thanks to Peyton Manning taking a pay cut. And guess what? Who helped the Broncos win that Super Bowl in 2016 was that defense because of Peyton Manning taking a pay cut and helping the whole team, everyone else, get paid. See, I liked what Mahomes did there. He did take a small pay cut, a little off the top, to help Chris Jones get paid. But what about the rest of the team is my question. Uh, they have Ty Hill. They have Kelsey. They have a really solid offensive line. They have a lot of young defensive players. But once their contracts come up, will the Chiefs be able to afford them is my question. And I honestly don't see that happening when you got two guys making over $25 million a year. That's pretty tough to do. Um, I don't see any other teams in the league that are constantly winning Super Bowls that have two players that make more than 20-something million dollars a year. So maybe I'm wrong because they play in the same division as I. I would like them not to be a dynasty. But I, for now, I don't see it that way. So we'll see how it all uh, turns out for the Kansas City Chiefs. They're a very exciting franchise to watch. I love the competition they bring to the AFC West, so we're going to see what happens. Look, I agree with you, though I disagree with several of your points, and I agree for an entirely different reason. First, Mahomes left money on the table, so in essence, he took a pay cut. Neither of us have a crystal ball, so perhaps he takes another pay cut in the future if he's already won two or three Super Bowls, he's got endorsements, 
et cetera. He gets older and he realizes what's important. There's nothing to say that he won't take a pay cut at that point. But he already took a pay cut to me because he left money on the table. But there are four ingredients for a dynasty. Coach is number one. Andy Reid, check. Quarterback on a team-friendly deal, check and check. To uh, point out number three is to disagree with your point on the players. Though I agree that they may be leaving, I don't agree with the concerns because number three is drafting well. That's the answer. They found Tyreek Hill in late rounds. They found McCole Hardman in late rounds. They found Travis Kelsey. And guess what? They'll find him again. They'll get fast players to play within their system. They have uh, an expert front office team with Andy Reid and their general manager putting great talent on the field. Patrick Mahomes will maximize that. But number four is the reason that I believe that they will not be a dynasty, and that is bad division. What did the Patriots have every single year? The Jets, the Bills, and the Dolphins. That was the reason we saw 20 years of dynasty. The AFC West, to me, is by far in this league, the best division. Love what the Broncos are doing. If Drew Locke isn't the answer, they'll find the answer after him. They have everything else plugged in perfectly, ready to go for a 10-6, and 11-5 season. The Raiders, John Gruden, man, he impressed me last year without a lot of talent. Mike Mayock and him drafting. A lot of people were down on their draft. It ended up being the best draft class the first time around, so I'm excited to see what they'll do with the second draft class. They are going to be a special team, I do believe, and John Gruden's proven that he is not overrated, which actually surprised me. And the Chargers, for such a bad team and such a losing culture, they have a lot of stars on defense. They are never an easy out. And with COVID, Marv, they're going to be used to the no fan thing going on. They don't have any fans <laughs> ever anyways. So it's, they're going to be a tough, tough play this season. They're going to be well prepared. <laughs> I don't see a dynasty happening here. I see maybe three Super Bowls over the next 20 years. I, I wouldn't necessarily consider that a dynasty. I think four or five is the minimum benchmark for that. I look forward to talking about the AFC West in our prediction show, but no dynasty here. We have agreement. With that said, let's get into our third quarter and talk about our NFL prediction show. We are going across the country predicting the future for the divisions in the NFL. We are in the center of the country and we're going south to the NFC South. Here we go. Surprising, but I have the Buccaneers at 11 and 5. One of the reasons that this is, is that we need to now predict and prepare for COVID. That means no more than 50% of fans, more realistically, none, 25% is something that we're looking at being a very strong possibility for at least the first half of the season. I would plan for it being the entire season just to play it safe. So that goes into a little bit of the predictions here. Nobody is more equipped to handle this pandemic, this weird situation of no fans around than a man who came back in the Super Bowl down 28 to three, Thomas Edward Brady. If I didn't know his middle name was Edward, I would tell you that it was clutch 
or adversity, something like that, something that would carry them through this issue that is COVID-19. Their schedule is not too challenging. It's not easy, but you got Tom Brady, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Rob Gronkowski, Cameron Braith, all these guys on offense that are just going to put up points on points on points. Schedule breaks in their favor, 11-5. and By the way, Tom Brady is not on decline. He had no weapons last season. The Saints, this is my biggest downgrade due to COVID. I had the Saints at 10 and, at, at 10 and 6. This team would have been 13 and 3. But the Saints have one of the best winning percentages in the NFL at home since 2008, winning 70% of their games. The games that I would have them winning would be teams like versus Green Bay at home, San Francisco, Minnesota, Kansas City. I think they'd have a good chance to go three and one, two and two in those games. Now I'm not really liking it without that noise, without the advantage on the field. They, they're not really doing any better than Kansas City in speed, Green Bay in speed. The turf doesn't help them. The dome doesn't help them. They added Emmanuel Sanders, but they're heavily reliant on home field advantage. They get the downgrade from me, 13 and three down to 10 and six. Second place, still a playoff team. The Falcons, third place. Six and 10. There's really not much to say here. The Falcons retain Dan Quinn, who probably should have been fired last season. Julio Jones, who I love, is always injured. Matt Ryan was a B to B plus quarterback before Kyle Shanahan made him MVP, and he's returned to that B level upon Shanahan's departure. He's older and less mobile. He's shifting away from the what the league is becoming. The defense led to the surge last season, finishing seven and nine and saving Dan Quinn's job. So that is an optimistic part of their team, but I don't see it being that much different. There's a lot of uh, top heavy competition in this division, six and 10 for them. The Panthers, last place, three and 13. Look, that record is harsh, but it's hard to find wins on this schedule. They do have talent. Christian McCaffrey, Arguably an MVP candidate, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, underrated wide receivers in this league. But the retirement of Luke Keekley has decimated their defense. They spent seven draft picks, all seven on defense. They know that they are bad on that end of the ball. So it'll really be up to those young players to see if they can rise to the challenge. I like Matt Rule. I like a lot of what this team can do. And the future is very bright. But I got to give one to two years for those defensive players to pop, being all new, without the OTAs, without much preparation in minicamp, not a lot of contact with the team just starting now. It's going to be difficult. They're going to be in every game. They're not an easy win for everybody. They're just not going to put a lot of Ws on the scoreboard. Marv, that is the end of my predictions. Tell us what you think. Where do you agree? Where do you disagree? All right, Jonathan, I really like the first two, I really agree with you with the Bucks. Uh, it's Tom Brady, all those offensive weapons. It's not much to say about it. They're going to win at least eleven games this year. Uh, I have the uh, the Saints taking a little seat back to the to the Bucks this year and winning ten games. Uh, Drew Brees is on his last leg. They have a really talented team, but as you mentioned, that home field advantage is not going to feel as much as a home field advantage as a it's been in the past. And so they may struggle a bit at home due to that fact. Then this is where we uh, disagree. We have the Falcons both at third place in the division, but I have the Falcons winning nine games and you know me, I've always been a harsh critic on the Falcons. I've always dissed the Falcons, but 
I've been paying attention to what they've been doing this offseason, and they, they've added some pieces to the puzzle. Uh, they've made their team a little bit better. They Their first-round pick was a cornerback who was rated really high. Uh, I like what the Falcons are doing. I think that's going to give them enough to win two more games than what they won this past season, which they was 7-9. and nine. I believe they'll go 9-7 and seven and have an opportunity to possibly sneak into the last spot in the playoffs because now, as most of you know, the NFL has expanded the playoff pool to seven teams for each conference. Now, last but not least, the Panthers, we also disagreed in the wins. I have the Panthers winning six games. Uh, I like Matt Rule a lot. I like what they're doing there in Carolina. They're changing the culture. They're, they have a really young, fast team. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater is going to be playing with a chip on his shoulder. May not be enough for them to win a lot of games, but they're going to be a, a tough out, as you mentioned. And I think they'll be able to keep up with some of these teams on offense because they have a lot of speed with DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson on the outside. And I like Christian McCaffrey a lot. This guy is a monster. He's a beast. He's a machine is, is how I should put it. So I give them six games. I'm a little bit more uh, lenient on them. I, I think they could steal a few games here and there uh, in their division. So that is my predictions. Yeah, I could see that with the Panthers. I could see them winning a few more games. I'll give that to you. The Panthers remind me of the Bears, the season that they were under John Fox. Not to be disrespectful and compare Matt Rule to that season of John Fox, but John Fox was the culture builder, and he was a borderline kind of Hall of Fame coach before he kind of fell off the face of the earth, kind of like him and Jeff Fisher. I think of them in the same class. They were great in their time. They just coached too long. Matt Rule is a culture builder. He's coming in saying, this is how we're going to do things. We're going to be smart. We're going to always do the right thing. We're, we don't care what you think of our draft. We'll draft seven defensive players, just really unorthodox, but sending a message to build the culture. We're going to be tough. We're not just going to be an offensive team, which is what he's known for. Ironically, he was a linebacker as a player at Penn State, and then he's become an offensive mastermind. So he knows both sides. So I could definitely see them winning uh, six games. Easy. But where I'm really surprised, Marv, is the Falcons. You and I have been on the Fire Dan Quinn train for a lot. And I see what you're saying. Julio Jones, he's just not there for me. He's not always available. I love Julio Jones. I think he's one of the best, if not the best receiver. He's guaranteed 100 yards and a touchdown when he's on the field. Matt Ryan's just getting older. Never really been a fan of his game. The game is moving away from him. But I'll give you that they did make additions in the offseason and they moved Coach Raheem Morris from offense. For some reason he was coaching offense, one of the positions I don't remember. They moved him to defensive uh, backs coach, and that's when the defense really took off. The former defensive coordinator and head coach and Raheem Morris is now on the defensive side of the ball where he belongs. I really think that points out the ineptitude of Dan Quinn, though, and why I believe this team will be 6-10. and 10. We agree at the top. That's another reason why the Falcons won't win a lot of games, in my opinion. The Buccaneers and the Saints are just that good, and they'll probably sweep them across the board, especially without that dome home field advantage for Atlanta. Let's get into our fourth quarter, our patented quick hitters segment. We take you around the leagues and bring you the relevant news for the week. Here we go. 
Marv, we talked about the NBA starting in a week, but alert, Zion has left the bubble for a family emergency. Are you worried? I don't, I'm not too worried about it. Um, I believe Zion is mentally prepared. He looked good in some pictures I looked at. He looks like he's lost weight. So he's been working out. So I think he's, he's, he's in the same kind of generational talent pool as, uh, LeBron James, where those guys are built differently. So I think when Zion gets back to playing with his teammates, he'll be fine. I, I'm not worried at all. So there's a protocol in the league that when you leave the bubble, you are tested every day. So long as you never test positive, you are quarantined for four days when you get back. If you ever test positive, you will be quarantined for 10 days. So maximum, he will be away from the team for 10 days. I'm a little concerned because he's gone and I haven't heard a report of him returning and we are about a week away from the start. It's very important that they win every game in order to make the playoffs. So that does bring me concern. I think we know how to avoid this virus, though. Wear a mask. Keep your distance. I don't think he'll test positive and I believe he'll only have to take those four days off. So I'm not extremely worried. Next. A crazy week for none other than Antonio Brown. He retired on Twitter, then he unretired. Now he wants answers from the NFL. Uh, again, I'm just like, again, I think. I think this happened before. I don't remember. I can't even keep track with him. Marv, what is going on here? This guy just loves being in the news. He likes to keep his name relevant. So he's going to continue to pull a Brett Favre. One second he's retiring, the next second he's not. I really think that until deep down inside, Antonio Brown wants to play again. He wants to continue to add to his uh, illustrious Hall of Fame career. And so he's going to continue talking, talking, trying to push the NFL into hurrying up on their investigation regarding his domestic violence cases and whatnot. So to me, it's just him posturing, just trying to get the NFL's attention and, and the world's attention pretty much and say, hey, don't forget about me. I want to also play. So. That's why he's just constantly saying, I'm going to retire. You know what? I want to play. It's just trying to get uh, NFL team's attention to see who's really interested in them. This is kind of just a guy throwing a temper tantrum for attention. Like you said, two people that I hope will get help, and I love them both dearly as entertainers for their talent, for their abilities, and just as people, of course. Antonio Brown and Kanye West, please get help. You really need it. And I say that out of love, not out of criticism. <laughs> Next, the NFL analyst and former quarterback, David Carr. Remember him? Number one overall pick with the Texans. He now works for NFL Network, NFL.com. He put up a list of the top 10 tight ends. Even after a full season off, he ranks Gronk at number four. Do you agree or disagree with this, Marv? I'm kind of on the fence with that, uh, but I'm leaning more towards agree. Our reason being is Gronk is going to go play with Tom Brady in Tampa. So basically, even if he took the year off, he knows how to play with Tom Brady. He has familiarity with Tom Brady, and he's had basically played with Tom Brady his whole career. So he shouldn't, it shouldn't skip a beat. He shouldn't lose a step. And so that's going to keep him in the top five 
conversation throughout the season because Gronk is a hell of a player and of course Tom Brady is his quarterback so can't really argue with that and I, and I believe people like Madden the people of Madden that do the ratings also have him rated really high as like the third best tight end or second best tight end in the game which is really amazing uh considering you know as you mentioned he's missed the full season but people still believe Gronk is Gronk and he's gonna go out there and Gronk <laughs> so I, I'll say I agree with this assessment I read the title of this story and it was the definition of clickbait because it got me to click instantly. I'm like, there is no way Rob Gronkowski is the number four tight end. And then I looked at the list. Number one was George Kittle. Number two, Travis Kelsey. Number three, Darren Waller. Number four, Rob Gronkowski. Number five, Zach Ertz. Then we get to the bottom half, Mark Andrews, Austin Hooper, very average players. So my point is that I was like, what? And then I looked at it and I thought, okay, you could swap with Zach Ertz and put him down to five. The top three are definitely better than him, but I can certainly make an argument that he's better than the rest of these guys. Number 10 is Evan Ingram. And I love Evan Ingram, but he doesn't even play. He's always injured. He's only been in the league for three years. He's played a small amount of games. So he was put on the, on the list for his talent really alone. And it shows me how uh, in short supply tight ends are in the league. So I'm going to have to agree with this. I'd probably put him at number five, but yeah, wow. I was surprised. Marv, Mike Zimmer has received a multi-year extension with the Vikings. How does this make you feel about the Vikings future? I like it. They're, they're trying to build a culture or continue the continuation of Mike Zimmer's culture that he's built in Minnesota. And that's tough, hard nosed defense and pretty decent offense. They've been winning the last couple seasons. They've made the playoffs. So Mike Zimmer is, is deserving of this contract. So I, I agree with that. I think it's uh, good for the future and continuation is always good as the Patriots have shown. Marv, I love Mike Zimmer. I think he's a top five coach in the NFL. He's among the elite. Vegas agrees with me in terms of his value as a coach. He has a 60% uh, wins versus losses. He wins 60% of the time. Let's not forget, this is Minnesota with a long losing culture. And remember what I said about the Chiefs being a dynasty or not. You have to have the coach. We got a check mark there. But they don't even meet number two, which is the quarterback. This guy has gone 13 and three with Case Keenum, and he continues to win and win playoff games with Kirk Cousins. I mean, come on, give this guy a quarterback. They have great talent evaluation in Minnesota. I really believe the future is very bright for them if they can move on from Kirk Cousins very soon. I don't really mean disrespect to Kirk Cousins, I just don't see him winning a Super Bowl. Last but not least, Marv, we're going outside of the box here, as we do sometimes. We're going to talk a little NHL. Seattle will now have an NHL team, the Seattle Kraken. I personally love the name. What do you think? I love it. I'm glad they're bringing back some more sports to the city of Seattle. They've been starving for another sports franchise. So I think this is great for the city of Seattle and the Kraken. I mean, <laughs> that's pretty cool. I, I know from my understanding, the Kraken is one of those uh, beasts that come out of the sea. Seattle is a city is known for its uh, seafood. 
So I'm thinking that's where they originated the name from, which is really cool. I, I like it. This made the show, honestly, because the name is so awesome. It it makes the city, it, like you said, it just fits perfectly. And because Seattle is such a vibrant and rabid fan base, they love every sport you get them. I am so excited for the city of Seattle to have another professional sports franchise. I think it's going to be a huge hit and they are going to be very competitive very quickly. A lot of smart people want to live in Seattle, work in Seattle. I'm I'm all in on this Seattle Kraken. They might be my favorite NHL team from here on out, Marv. <laughs> that, folks, is the end of our show. We appreciate you. We thank you for listening. If you can and have not already, wherever you may be listening, please leave us a review and share the show with a friend if you enjoy it. It's free. All we ask is that you share. Marv, do you have anything else for the people? As Jonathan said, people, share, share, share. Give us good reviews. Uh, we're always listening, uh, checking out the tweets. We're always trying to communicate with as many fans as possible. Uh, we appreciate each and every one of you. Be safe out there. And thanks for listening. We'll see you next week, folks. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you soon. Later, people.